Welcome back to another episode of the Passionate Stewardship Podcast, a podcast for helping professionals who strongly believe in supporting their community and the humans who live there. I am your host, Dr. Sherry. Okay, y'all. So I've committed my word for 2024 is going to be resilience. Thought about it. I journaled about it. I talked to my husband about it. He looked at me like I was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. He was like, why are you so excited about this word? So I broke it down to him like, this is why. He still looked at me like I was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I was like, okay, I don't care. And I'm cool with it. So if you want to join me, cool. If not, I'm okay with it. So my word for 2024 is going to be resilience. It's resonating with me. It really is. So that's going to be my 2024 word. I already, I know how, I already see it on my vision board. I just see it. It gives me goosebumps when I say it. So 2024 is the year of resilience. So if you're with me, you're with me. If you're not, that's okay too. What's your word for 2024? Alrighty. So as human service professionals and social workers that are in executive director roles, nonprofit organizations, I mean, you really got to possess a level of resilience to overcome challenges and sustain your mission-oriented work. It is pivotal to persevere through difficult times and focus on why we do what we do for our chosen communities. You know, right now, I know from talking to a lot of ED friends that funding is tough and it is even tough for the organization where I am. We are maintaining, we are, we pushing ahead, but it's still one of the things that is a high priority always on your small community-based nonprofit organizations. So today we're going to discuss some resilience building practices that small community-based nonprofit organizations can do to ensure that you are Constantly building and maintaining resilience within your organization. This one here, this first one, you've heard me talk about this before, probably in, I think, September when we talked about, so you want to start a nonprofit? Really? So you heard me talk about strategic planning. You know, strategic planning is really important to your nonprofit. It is your roadmap for the next five whatever many years you decided that your strategic plan is going to be good for. So make sure that you have developed a strategic plan that outlines the mission, the goals, the objective, and any contingency measures. Ensure that the plan is updated on time, for example, the every five years, and that your board has agreed to it. Diversify funding sources. You know, when I was on the call with some executive director colleagues, all of us have diversified funding streams, all of us, but we all kind of missing this one funding stream that many of us did not get. So relying on a single funding stream, it can be super risky. So it is super advisable. And I said that back in September, and I probably said it again some months ago, it is advisable to diversify your funding stream if you are a nonprofit organization. So that's grants, both state and federal, foundation grants, donations, both in-kind and monetary, 
partnerships, and any earned income opportunities. I told you that where I'm at, we have our thrift store. All of those monies come back into our organization and we're able to do things like pay for relocation if a victim is in danger and cannot stay in our community. We're able to stock our food pantry. We're able to do, you know, like toiletries and that kind of stuff. We're able to pour the money right back into the organization and use it on the clients. Next is financial sustainability. Maintain solid financial management practices, including budgeting, cash flow analysis, and reserves to handle economic challenges. Now, the reserves is a really hard thing for a lot of nonprofits. They say that as a nonprofit, you should have a reserve account. We do have a reserve account. That reserve account we have not had to touch. And I am very grateful for that. Although we have had a funding cut, we sat down and we went line by line with our budget and we have not had, we refuse to have to touch that money. So if you do have the opportunity to have a reserve account, it's important that you have that reserve account. So if things ever got that bad, you know you have this funding that's there. Board development. Cultivate a strong, engaged board of directors that can provide strategic guidance and support during times of crisis. Fundraising and donor relationship. Communicate impact. Build and maintain relationship with donors and show gratitude of support. Thank your donors when you get those big donations in the mail. Send them a letter of support. Send them a letter of thanks. Send them a t-shirt if you have an organizational t-shirt or send them something to show your support. Risk management. Develop risk management strategies, including cybersecurity, legal compliance, and insurance coverage. And sometimes with your grants, they ask for risk management anyway. So this may already be a policy within your organization. If it's not, then you should create one. We talked about this last episode, and I know we've talked about it episodes ago. Adaptability. Even as an executive director, I have to stay flexible. I have to be adaptable. Be willing to pivot your programs and services when necessary. Encourage a culture of learning and innovation. However, make sure you are not deviating from your mission, vision, and why you are serving, that's important. Be flexible, yes. Be adaptable, yes. Pivot your programs, yes. The example that I use, where I'm at, initially, we were the Domestic Violence Sexual Assault Response Organization. We now also serve victims and survivors of human trafficking. Why? Because human trafficking and domestic violence intersect sexual assault and human trafficking intersect. But we would not do something that's not in the purview of our mission. That's way off base. Make sure that if you are choosing to pivot your programming, because pivoting your programming can also open up the door for additional funding streams and additional grant opportunities. If you are an arts organization, It will not make sense for you to then apply for a grant for domestic violence service provisions. Another example, we are a domestic violence, sexual assault, human trafficking response organization. It does not make sense for us to then apply for a grant to do an arts project. Now, if that arts project was 
for voices of victims and survivors of yada, 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 then we could take a look at it. But if it was not, then that is not in the purview of our mission. So be adaptable and be prepared to pivot your programs when necessary if it is in alignment with your mission. Community engagement. Involve your community and stakeholders to understand and include their needs and decision-making process and also so they can understand where you are. So back in, I believe it was August or September, I was interviewed for our newspaper in Wilson where I work because our pantry was empty and a lot of our pantry items, we do, we buy some but a lot of them we do get donated. So the paper came in, did an article, and we stressed the importance of donations. And that engages the community. One time we had a young lady who was in our safe house and she was getting ready to have a baby. So we got everything that we could from our thrift store for her and the baby, but there were still, and we got what we could from our baby room. But there were some things that, you know, so we added, uh, we did a baby shower for her, did an Amazon wish list and the community. So we got community engagement. We have community volunteers that come out and work with our youth on Thursday nights and, and they help with, you know, make decisions about activities for the children on Thursday nights. And so community engagement and community involvement is really important because then they understand your mission and they understand what the need is. Leadership development, understanding and investing leadership development for staff and board members is crucial for effectively navigating a crisis. So If anything were to ever happen and I am not in the office, board chair, board treasurer, board secretary, co-chair, they know how to effectively handle things. And of course, our financial administrator, who is my right-hand person, knows how to go about getting checks signed and getting checks cut, everything that needs to happen to handle a crisis. Volunteer management. We have someone, Maria, who you guys met. On the podcast last week, she handles the recruitment of our volunteers. And so we have volunteers from Barton College come in and we have community volunteers that come in again that help on Thursday nights. Technology and infrastructure. This is so, so important. Invest in modern technology and infrastructure to ensure efficient operations during remote work or disruptions. So during the pandemic, we invested into a remote work company so we could tap into our server and work remotely from home. A couple weeks ago, the phone system, like your landline phone system in the area, it went down. So we were all like, okay, what do we do? Immediately, we were able to transfer everything over to a cell phone so we could still function as a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week crisis line until they worked out the phone system. So instead of being in panic mode, we immediately went into crisis intervention. We immediately went into crisis mode and put plan B in place. Um, Everything was worked out, but we immediately put a backup plan in place. We let Our safe house staff know, we let advocates know, we immediately put a plan in place so there would be no gap in services and the community would still be served once our office closed at five o'clock. 
strategic partnerships, collaborate with other organizations to share resources and supports. This is something that we do on a consistent basis. It's important for you as an organization to do this because one, it builds up morale. It builds camaraderie within the community between your staff and other staff. Your staff knows who to call when they need a resource or referral and vice versa. Scenario planning, you know, creating response plans for potential crisis helps organizations react quickly and affect. Like we know there is someone in the building to shut the building down. Like these things are super, you know, we have a group thread that goes on crisis line. The, the safe house has a group text that goes on and no confidential or client information goes into these texts, but it's to let everybody know, hey, house is good. Everything's clear. Is everyone all right? You know, to keep consistent communication going on. Radical self-care. Radical self-care. Radical self-care. I can't stress it enough. Your staff, if your human service professionals, if your social workers, burnout can hinder resilience encourage radical self-care and create an environment where there is positive work-life balance. You have to, you have to model that behavior as well. Monitor and evaluate, monitor how this is going. How are the resilience practices going? Share, hear what your team is saying. Share with them your thoughts. Share with them, hey, I think this is working. I don't think this is working. I thought this was working, but this is what I heard. Be open to the feedback. Have a crisis management plan in place. Develop a comprehensive crisis management plan that outlines specific actions, responsibilities, and communication. Make sure that there are fire drills that are done. Make sure that everybody is always taken care of from the top down. Continuous learning. It is essential to foster a constant learning proof culture. Always offer training. We have a lawyer that is on staff and she is providing a legal series for us. We always try to ensure that we are a fine line between what we can communicate as advocates and human service professionals and support staff versus what she communicates as a lawyer. So she does this training always to update us on what laws have changed, what is new in the statutes, all this kind of stuff. So we'll be aware, but what we know to say and what we should not say. So those things are extremely, extremely important. Building resilience, listen, it is essential for nonprofit organizations to overcome the challenges that you can expect and even those that you cannot expect. Because you know, you're going to see and you're going to experience more of the ones that you can't expect than those that you see coming. So it's extremely important to build resilience within your nonprofit organization and to embed it into the actual culture. So this was just a little quick, cute episode today. Remember our word for 2024 is resilience. So radical self-care is healthcare and kindness is free. So do me a favor today and be kind to yourself. 
first and then be kind to others. I love you so much for listening. Until next week, bye. Thank you.